Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a SAGE publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. To set the stage for the discussion, Traditional methods of authentication are outdated and need many layers of code, which can take time and resources away from developer teams. This is a broken system that needs to be fixed. And these are the words of my guest today, Mr. Slavik Markovic, who is CEO and co-founder at Deskope. Slavik, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you, Dave, and uh, I'm uh, very happy to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me and uh, looking forward for a cool discussion. Absolutely. I can't wait to get started. I, I'd like to, I, I always like to start these episodes by having the guest reflect on their professional journey, share with the listeners why they are doing, what they are doing, what got them there. But I, before I turn it over to you, I'd like to share with my listeners a couple of highlights of your extremely impressive credentials. Uh, prior to being the CEO and co-founder at Descope, you worked for the Palo Alto Networks as their senior VP of products. Prior to that, you were vice president and chief technology officer of database technologies at McAfee. You are an investor and you serve as a board member and advisor to several security startups. That's quite incredible. And you love coffee, right? You love coffee. That's correct. <laughs> coffee is my uh, kind of one one vice that you know everybody should have. That coffee is mine. Oh, that's not a vice, but anyhow. So I'll turn it over to you, Slavic. Share with with us um, some background information, some highlights of your professional journey. Sure, sure. Let's uh, let me maybe give you a quick uh, rundown of uh, of my career. So first of all, I, I spent most of my career in uh, cybersecurity. So starting with uh, like any good Israeli in the Israeli Defense Forces, spending since six years in the army, and then starting my first startup in the database security space, uh, which was in 2006, selling it to McAfee. This is how I got to be in McAfee. And then leaving McAfee, starting my previous startup, which was uh, the Misto, which uh, dealt with uh, security orchestration, automation, and response which we eventually sold to Palo Alto Networks for roughly $600 million. Uh, and then I became the senior vice president of uh, products with uh, Palo Alto Networks. And so I've been a technologist throughout uh, all of my career. 
and this uh, kind of sort of stumbled into the CEO role uh, from uh, from being a technologist. And uh, that's where I spent most of my time, actually, on the product, on the technology, and kind of driving the vision and the product of the of the company that I uh, run. Fantastic. That was a very short summary of <laughs> an extremely impressive background. Anyhow, uh, thanks for that introduction. Slavic, uh, our discussion today centers around authentication, right? Efforts are being made to improve authentication technologies. To put it simply, the goal is to make it as seamless, as effortless as possible. It shouldn't be the irritant that it is for regular users as well as for developers when they are jumping from one application to other. Somebody such as yourself, who's a technologist, who's been on the other side of things, what, according to you, is the real pain point here when it comes to authentication? Yeah, so first I'll, I'll let you kind of in on a little secret of why I kind of started being interested in this space. And this is uh, just, uh, you know, your regular technologist problems, which is you are usually the IT guy for your entire family. That's, uh, that's how it works. And so I am the IT guy for my extended family, uh, which, by the way, I have uh, four kids and three dogs and a wife and, uh, you know, parents and so on. And the biggest problem I think we have is just managing the various application accounts across the board for, you know, the various, even the simple applications, you know, your video streaming, your mail and, and so on and so forth. And while I try to educate my family to use a password manager and use separate passwords for each application, which is kind of the common best practice, uh, I still cannot make them just do it across the board. And so we have frequent issues of just forgetting passwords, resetting accounts. Uh, hey, dad, can you send me the password for that? And Can you help me with this? And I, I kind of got fed up with that and said, hey, can we just remove passwords from the equation? And this is kind of uh, the answer to your question of uh, the existing kind of problems and uh, what's, uh, what, what we feel needs to change is that eventually identifying the user, authenticating the user, is kind of a balance between security. Obviously, you want to make it secure. Account takeovers are a big problem. But on the other side, you want to make it as frictionless as possible and as seamless and easy as possible. And when you're kind of dealing with those passwords, especially there are a lot of companies that come up with those complexity rules and policies and, you know, password histories and very convoluted reset uh, methods then you're basically losing your users. And uh, this this just hurts business eventually because you're kind of, a user wants to do a transact with you and do some business and he cannot uh, log in because he cannot recover his password. And so that that is the big problem that kind of got me started, uh, you know, interest uh, being interested in authentication and looking at some of the new things that are available but are not that common and not that easy to implement. 
And I think that maybe is the other side of it that you started uh, alluding to, which is as a developer, what is the burden on you uh, to kind of implement all of that? And I think we'll dive a bit deeper into that. But the idea here, of course, is to make it also very easy for developers to incorporate all of those things into their uh, applications. Makes total sense. In fact, uh, I'll share a quick story here of why passwords can be an irritation. You know, once in a while, I wake up at around 1, 1 in the morning, and it's my habit to pick up my cell phone and check messages. And then I find this message uh, from my bank saying, your password has been compromised. You need to go and change your password. So at around 1.32 in the morning, my wife and I came down to my office. I was trying to remember where all I had used that same password. It was more of a passphrase yeah. than a password. So I was going from one account to, to the other, changing it. I was really upset. I'm like, when will that day come where I don't have to do this? So after we had done all those changes, we go, went back to sleep. But of course, the sleep was disturbed. So it wasn't a good night's sleep. Then the next day, I never heard from this institution. Then I called them and I said, hey, y'all sent me an email about changing my password. So what happened? And so the person responds, sir, it was a technical flaw. That message should not have gone to you. I'm like, well, thank you very much. That's very helpful. But, you know, it once again reinforces what you are saying, that it is truly an irritant. It comes in the way. We want to be secure, absolutely, but can we make it a little more convenient? Um, exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, you should tell them, hey, thank you, thank you for the sleepless night that you kind of you know, <laughs> gave me with your technical glitch. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So authentication factors can be classified into three groups. Something you know, such as a password or a PIN, something you have, such as a token or a bank card, and something you are, such as biometrics, that would mean fingerprints, voice recognition, and so on and so forth. When we are talking about traditional authentication methods, we are talking about password authentication protocols. We are talking about authentication tokens. We are talking about symmetric key authentication, biometric authentication. So there are variations of <laughs> authentication methods. And each method has their pros and cons. These days, of course, multi-factor authentication has become very popular. And there is also a move towards passwordless authentication. So, Slavic, where are we headed in terms of the next stage or the next phase of evolution when it comes to more sophisticated authentication systems? Right. Uh, so, as you mentioned, there are multiple ways to authenticate a user. And uh, some of those ways are considered to be very secure, right? So, if you have a token that uh, you use to authenticate, that's pretty secure. It's very hard to fish. It's very hard to, to kind of steal away. On the other hand, things like passwords, as we discussed, are kind of the on the other side of the spectrum where... It's kind of very hard for users to manage, but fairly easy for computers to guess and steal and, and, and so on. And so we are, as an industry, I think, going towards this place of how can we protect the user more? And uh, towards that goal, I think a lot of effort is being made in 
creating authentication around who you are versus what you know. And so biometric here, I think, is a big step forward, which uh, now with, uh, you know, uh, some of the standard bodies out there like FIDO and uh, the Web of N standard that now kind of being incorporated into uh, keys that uh, all the major vendors out there support. So that will be Apple and Google and Microsoft and a bunch of other uh, vendors out there. They all support those passkeys, which allow a very kind of a secure, somewhat frictionless, it's not completely frictionless, but somewhat frictionless way of authenticating without remembering anything. So that, that's kind of the, the other side of it. And so while effort is being made and a lot of, uh, I think, uh, advancements happened uh, in the last year even around uh, those biometric uh, methods, the other side of it, I think, is being somewhat neglected, which is the developers that need to develop those apps to meet those standards. And so if you are a developer today, I think the easiest path for you, for your application, is actually username password because there are a lot of frameworks out there. There's a lot of standard libraries for every language that you, you care about. And so that is almost like the default way of implementing applications, especially when you uh, develop applications for a business-to-business -business, uh, type. And so there, uh, people assume that your audience is kind of sort of a captured audience, right? It's a business user and he has to use your application. So he might as well just use passwords and, and that's it. And so now where uh, business applications are becoming more and more like uh, consumer applications in the sense that they need to be very, uh, you know, frictionless, very easy to use and so on, this no longer kind of fits the bill, right? So you need to make sure that your even business application is uh, as, as convenient as possible to your end users. And so the developers are now have the burden to kind of go and read, you know, the relevant uh, uh, the relevant standards like WebAuthn, and they understand how to implement them in their own applications and make sure that they do that securely because like everything in security, the devil is in the details. And so the, the kind of the small things that you think might not matter that much are actually can break your entire security model. And, and so getting this right is a big, big problem for developers. And most of us are not security experts, most of the developers. And so implementing that while the entire industry kind of moves forward with biometric and uh, multi-factor authentication, developers are kind of left behind trying to catch up and implement all of those things uh, without a lot of good support. So... Uh, Going back to your uh, original question of where the industry is headed, I think the industry is really headed towards those authentication methods of either what you own, which is either sending text messages or magic links uh, and so on, or what you are, uh, which is biometric, 
But developers need to catch up with that trend and make sure that applications are implemented to, to those standards. That's very interesting. I didn't realize that the developers need some catching up to do. When you're talking about the developer community, it brings to mind the friction between the developer team and the security team because they are driven by different goals, unfortunately. The developers are being pushed to produce innovative solutions as quickly as possible. Security teams are being charged with making sure the solutions are robust. I'm surprised when I hear that often the security teams and the developer teams don't work together or in tandem. They're not part of the same team, but it's almost like they are sequential. Once the developers do the work, then the security does the check-in. So there is this new thing about security by design. From the get-go, you need to build security into your processes. So that friction has been there. It's interesting that you would talk about the developers need some catching up to do. I'm sure you'll have stuff to add to that. Um, I'll let you do that. But just as a segue to the next section of our discussion, I'd like to mention something you said when we were talking about this podcast, and it stayed with me. You said, we as cybersecurity providers need to meet developers where they are. Developers are continually being pulled from product innovation for onboarding and authentication of efforts that can be solved with a simple solution, allowing them to focus on core engineering efforts. That makes so much sense because if you just let them do the work that they're good at, security may not be their strength, like you said. How do you achieve that goal? What is that a low-code, no-code passwordless authentication solution that would make this feasible? Yeah, so I think I'll uh, actually answer with a, even with your prefix there about this tension between developers and uh, security practitioners. And so I think that was the model and still is the model in many of the larger companies out there. You have security engineering, which is a department, those are security practitioners that after somebody develops a feature or changes the product, it goes through a security review and then, you know, stays there for like two weeks. They explain everything to the security guys. Security guys will uh, maybe give some rejects and then you need to fix that. And uh, so this uh, kind of throw over the fence type of a model where you kind of do something, throw it over the fence to security, they throw it over the fence back to you with some rejects. And this is not the way to move forward in a fast, uh, you know, in, in this world where everything changes so fast and you need to move fast and, and add features and, and, and so on. And this is why there is an inherent kind of tension between the security teams and the developers. And so uh, the way you kind of try to solve it is bring security into the development teams, right? Make sure you have your uh, both the education and security knowledge to, in, uh, for the developers, but also your security champions inside the teams that you know security doesn't become a bolt-on process, but it's part of the architecture, design review, all, all of the, and, and implementation, uh, all of the phases of the, you know, product changes. So 
that is kind of the 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 way can, that I see most innovative companies actually do that now. Now it's exactly right as you said, right? Developers are really concerned or they really care about features, right? So and and most product guys care about features, right? Security doesn't sell your product. I mean, it might be a good point for you, but eventually features will sell your product, uh, not security. And so the main focus of any company should be on the core business that they do, right? If it's accounting, they should be uh, focused on the right accounting. If it's like video streaming, they should be focused on video streaming. Uh, security is kind of a cross-cutting concern that uh, needs to be implemented in such a way that it does not take away uh, cycles from engineering to kind of bother with it. I can tell you from my experience as a founder of three previous companies that authentication was a continuous topic for us developers, engineers, throughout the life of the entire company. Because you start with something that is very simple. As I said, the default for most developers is like username, password. And you start with that, but then you encounter a lot of requirements. Let's say you sell to other businesses, then there's this requirement to make sure that you integrate with their identity providers to provide single sign-on. And then there's a requirement to make sure you integrate with their directory models. So uh, authorization comes into play here. Then you need to make sure that any change in the directory will reflect in the authorization automatically. And so uh, access is managed uh, dynamically and automatically. Then you have this uh, requirement uh, to add policies. So it has to be a certain size of password with certain complexity that we all hate and it has to never repeat itself and so on and so forth. So all of those requirements kind of take away from your ability to develop your core product. And uh, this is, I think, what's so appealing about using something external that can bring that capability out of the box with enough flexibility that it fits your kind of requirements exactly, right? So, and that that is like the uh, the very common things to to do now because you as a developer should not care about like, for example, your servers, right? You would use AWS uh, instances and and services. For the most part, you probably don't care much about the database. You don't develop your database. You just use something out of the box, probably RDS or or some NoSQL database and so on. So authentication and authorization should be exactly like that. Why is it treated differently, right? So you as developers should actually take a package. doesn't matter if it's like some open source or, or from a vendor like us and just drop it in. And it should provide all of your business requirements. So if you're developing a consumer application, it should focus on the frictionless aspect. It should allow you to fully customize it to be, uh, you know, uh, the same look and feel as your the rest of your application. It should be 
passwordless and probably biometric. That's the, the right way to do it. Uh, uh, it should be very secure out of the box, right? Uh, be uh, protecting you against account takeovers and, you know, bot and other things that the uh, other type of attacks that you might have. And so if it's out of the box, then you can focus on the real things, right? Your own application. The same if you're developing a business application, it should support out-of-the-box integration with the identity provider of the business. It should allow your tenants or your customers to self-service, configure their users, configure their you know, single sign-on uh, uh, configuration, all of that. Again, without you having to write all that code. And so... I remember in my previous company, we started with authentication as a single uh, line item in sprint planning. And it ended up being a line item in every sprint pl planning for three years. So he just wow. continued, continued investing effort into that. And that should not be the way to do it. Yeah, it makes uh, intuitive sense. So essentially what you're talking about is a lot of the developer time gets spent on developing the authentication part of the solution, whereas they should be able to focus on the features and functionalities, which is what sells the product. So what you are saying is Correct. there are there are products out in the market, open source or proprietary, that can help take away that additional pain or challenge so the developers can focus on what they are good at, which is developing those functionalities. Is that a fair, high-level representation of what you said? Yes, yes, exactly so. So that also allows the developer to have more time spending on their features, but also avoids this big problem of security. Because again, as we said before, most developers are not security experts. And so if they implement their authentication, there might be big holes there that they they will not catch. And then, you know, you end up with the account compromises and the stolen data from, from the application. You know, this also um, rings a bell when I think about the plug and play approach to either running a business or developing a solution where you are plugging in a module or a product that has been developed by somebody else who is, that's their expertise, while you build build out the other parts of the solution, uh, which kind of makes a lot of sense because you are playing to your strengths and not having to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, you know, or waste time getting trained on something that the web expertise is already there, the solution is there, why not just integrate it into your overall platform or solution. In very, exactly. inter very interesting. So I'd like to go back to, you mentioned something about the move towards biometrics-driven authentication, which makes sense because if I can be identified by my features, that's easiest. I don't have to carry anything extra, flash anything extra, you know, just scan me or whatever. And again, there are, I'm sure there are negative side effects to that. And that was my question that the last time I checked on the pros and cons of biometric authentication, one of the challenges is there's been situations where there has been, it hasn't been foolproof. There has been situations where 
the amount of data that has to be stored and that has to be retrieved uh, because of network issues that can slow down the authentication process. Uh, so there, because of these concerns, biometric authentication often has to be supplemented by another factor, which is entering a number or you know whatever that might be. So where are we with biometric authentication? Or have we made even more progress than what I shared? Yeah. So I think the biggest obstacle yeah. to biometric authentication is actually education. Hmm. And it's amazing how, ma- how many times I talk with uh, regular consumers and they say, and I ask them, hey, do you use biometric authentication where, where it's available? Do you use your face ID or fingerprint or whatever uh, you have uh, when it's available? And the answer is always, no, I don't want to give my biometric to the app because they will, you know, if they're compromised, that's it. My biometric is out there. And uh, it always makes uh, me somewhat, uh, you know, uh, amused because uh, usually that's not how biometric works, right? And so education, I think, here is the biggest obstacle. Consumers need to understand that when you do biometric authentication, your biometric data never leaves the device. All it does is unlock a local cryptographic key that allows you to authenticate to the application. So your biometric is used locally only in a very secure fashion. It's all in secure enclaves on the processor. So even other apps cannot access it. So it is very secure. It's always local. And there's no data traveling. So the whole standard is built around keeping your biometric local and making sure each device actually has a unique cryptographic key that identifies you securely to the end application. And so the biggest challenge I think here is actually uh, education, educating the consumers that it's safe enough. Uh, Having said that, you as an app developer, you really cannot just offer only biometric because of those concerns. Because of those concerns, you have to allow a user to kind of authenticate in in different ways and kind of offer, still offer biometric, but make sure that there's a fallback or make sure that the user has another option. Otherwise, you might lose the, the, the user. And so here, you as an app developer usually have to support multiple factors. And here, my advice is really look at all the passwordless options out there. And so a magic link is usually as secure as passwords because, you know, it relies on the fact that you probably own your email and your email is as secure as as it will get, right? Uh, The same goes with OTP, so a one-time password, which you can send to your phone number, which, again, granted, is not super, it's not critically secure and there's ways to kind of uh, do sim uh, you know duplication and uh, still that but most of the apps out there don't deal with this type of threat model right so most of the apps out there don't really care if there's a you know a theoretical threat to uh, to uh, account takeover like that 
And so you as an app developer uh, need to offer at least two or three of those uh, methods, including like social login, which I'm sure everybody's seen, login with Google, login with Apple, all of those things. Uh, so that that is kind of the, the current state. I think the standards are good enough. Uh, the biggest obstacle is education. Maybe the second obstacle was what happens if you lose the device, right? So if you use biometric on a device and lost the device or maybe bought a new device and upgraded, what happens? And here, there is huge progress that was made in the last year around passkeys, where those passkeys allow you to either duplicate to all of your devices in your ecosystem. So, for example, Apple uh, duplicates your uh, data or your private key across your Apple ecosystem. So your uh, computer, your uh, iPhone, your iPad, and so on. And allows you, so if you lose the device, nothing happens. You can just log in with another device. And uh, it also allows you to do like cross-device authentication. So for example, I'm on a laptop and I don't have biometric on this laptop. I can actually use my phone to do that. And it's only one time. And the key is being uh, created on my laptop. And from now on, I can actually use that. So so that may be another small obstacle that was uh, overcome. But again, the biggest and this uh, misconception is actually not just, you know, your regular consumer. Actually, a lot of the developers out there also have this misconception regarding biometrics. And uh, then it's just uh, they, they don't use it. Which is which is a big uh, you know it's a it's a shame because you, it's the friction the best frictionless method to just uh, log in you don't have to remember anything you don't have to click on anything you just look at the screen and you're in. Thank you. I appreciate the way you shared some very technical stuff in a very non-technical way. I like the way you explain things. As a follow up to what you are talking about, do you think that? We are further along where one day, even if there is a breach, uh, that wouldn't imply that people's uh, credentials are now in the hands of the hackers and they can engage in ID fraud and other kinds of uh, kind of attacks. Are we further along uh, in terms of getting to that ideal goal where just compromising an account doesn't mean the end of the world or doesn't mean a major problem? I think we are further along. I mm -hmm. think, uh, again, education here for developers is happening. That being said, unfortunately, we're not there yet, as we've seen with some of the latest breaches. And so you look at the LastPass breach, for example, where, you know, it's it's almost like the, the worst scenario that can happen because all of your passwords are in one place. And we've seen that some of their implementation was not the best. Uh, and then it actually puts your accounts uh, under threat. And so I think we are further along, but there's still a long uh, road ahead of us. Uh, this is why, uh, you know, when this happened, I told my friends, look, the best password is no password. Just use the passwordless uh, capabilities and that will save you uh, the breach. Uh, also, you, you you can see that you know it's almost for an attacker that's the low hanging fruit, right? So uh, 
it's very easy for an attacker to go uh, to uh, this marketplace on the dark web, uh, buy a lot of compromised accounts from a lot of applications. You just buy this listing of emails and passwords, emails and passwords, and then try to use that across multiple applications. There are tools that are automated to do that. That's uh, you know credential staffing, and uh, uh, and and uh, guess what? They just need to be right zero point zero one percent, and they already have like hundreds and thousands of accounts that are compromised. So even if almost everybody is is doing it correctly and not reusing passwords and and so on, uh, just being right, uh, you know, enough is is uh, already very lucrative for attackers and so if we can get uh, you know the, the entire industry moving forward that's uh, really gonna kind of completely remove that uh, threat uh, from from the threat modeling that you, that you're doing yeah. very true very true in fact uh, when you mentioned LastPass, i remember when people ask me for my opinion about how should we manage our passwords? Should we go and uh, get one of these software solutions, software wallets and store them there? How should we do it? I said, look, I'm, I am, don't consider myself an expert in this area, but I would recommend that you don't write down your passwords, you remember them, because the worst thing that can happen is you'll forget where you can create another one. Yes, it is painful, no doubt, but at least you're, it's not written anywhere or it is not uploaded anywhere which could be subject to access. However, you know, ideally speaking, as you said, we want to go passwordless where we don't even have to think about it and go on with our life, our work, and know that we are not getting compromised every step of the way because technology is such a huge part of our lives today. It is hard to live like that. It's in constant paranoia, constant fear that, oh, geez, I shared this information or I shared that information. Now that could come back to haunt me. So the extent to which we can alleviate those fears and make it easier, not only for the part of the developers, but also for the entire user community, we will all be better for it. So um, Slavic, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I love the way you share information, share insights. Um, as with every episode, I'd like the guest to have the last word. But before I turn it back to you, I also want to recognize people like yourself who are doing human service behind the scenes, creating products, creating solutions to help the global community. And for that, I would like to thank you on behalf of all of us out there, users. Thank you. Thank you so so much. And the uh... I'd say my final thoughts on this is that we actually got into this space of authentication because we were passionate about two things. One is really making users or consumers' lives uh, easier and more secure. As you said, just don't think about passwords. Don't try to kind of remember. Don't be stressed about uh, you know creating a new password and all that. So that's a big part of why we started. But the other part is that we are all engineers. We are all developers at heart. And that was been all of our career, all of the founders here. 
And so we actually designed our solutions to be very developer friendly. This scope actually allows you to implement this entire authentication journey using simple drag and drop. You don't even need to kind of go and uh, write a lot of complex code or understand a lot of security issues. Just drag and drop your requirements, be that social login, single sign-ons, obviously biometric, all of that, and you get it out of the box. So basically a few lines of code that you just integrate and you have it. And so uh, like the big part of just elevating this conversation, progressing the authentication forward, is making sure that developers have an easy way to move forward and integrate those new solutions into their applications. And this is what really we're trying to do. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you for your time. It's been truly a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully it's useful for uh, our listeners. A special thanks to Slavik Markovic for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization. 